What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. For those of you joining us for the first time, uh, this is a podcast that is mainly educational, um, but we like to inform and have a good time at the same time. So um, we do swear on this podcast. We do drink booze on this podcast and we do have a good time. Uh, my name is Anthony Heller. I'm the host. And today we have Austin Caldwell and Austin is from California, which is always interesting to me to come across a California hunter. Um, just because there's, you know, California is known for kind of being a more liberal and more non-hunting friendly state just in general. Um, but Austin knocks down some awesome animals out there. And I feel like California just isn't talked a lot. I talked about a lot. So wanted to have him on, give his side of how things are going in California and understand like the hunting opportunities there, what it's like and, uh, and go from there. Cause it could be a potential like sleeper area. Not that Austin wants everyone coming in and, and checking his spots <laughs> out, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, yeah, it could be a potential sleeper area. And, and I just, I enjoy his content. It's Cali underscore bow hunter, um, on Instagram. So yeah, check him out. And I think I, is that, did I cover it all Austin? Yeah, man. That seems about it. Seems. Okay. Did you, so did you grow, like, did your parents hunt? Did you hunt? My, like, so yeah. my mom never hunted. She was born, both her parents came from Germany as immigrants over here. So um, she never really got into it. I mean, my grandmother was a farmer. That's about it back in the day. But uh, my pops, he's from Southern Florida in a town called Hialeah. They're known for their race horses. And it's right on the Everglades. So when there were kids are growing up wrestling alligators and doing all that crazy <laughs> hillbilly stuff. So he grew up around fishing and hunting and all that stuff, but never to an extent to where we are now. Um, he moved out here. I think he was 18 when he moved out here and he kind of bounced around a little bit. But um as I was growing up, one of my old uh, baseball coaches was really into pheasant hunting and he kind of invited us up and uh, that's kind of where it started when I was, I think it was seven or eight, maybe a little bit younger than that. Um, just started bird dogging for him, doing pheasant hunts and, uh, and then kind of grew from there. Then that friendship grew and we started doing pig hunts and deer hunts and then eventually it just came a thing where we yeah. set aside time and that's what we do every year at deer season don't mess with us we're going to be deer hunting <laughs> pig hunting here you can hunt all year round which is great so if you got some time off you can go out and try to stick a pig um but yeah i mean i hunt a lot my dad hunts mostly around deer season he's really into deer hunting um but i'm trying to get my kids into it now uh, my oldest is 10, so he's got two more years to do any big game hunting, but he just got his license a year and a half ago and get him on some birds and stuff. So, yeah. So, I mean, so I know you post on blacktails, um, California's blacktails and, and mule deer, which I learned just before we don't, they don't have white tails. Just <laughs> no white tails. The, the further, I think Washington and I know Washington has some. Uh, Washington State, and I'm, I'm not quite sure if Oregon does. I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I know that they do have a herd that they brought in. Uh, I want to say it was like the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But they did bring them in, 
and uh, then they got loose and they're wild now. They're free range whitetails that are up there. They're all mountain whitetail, not the corn fed Midwest <laughs> stuff that you get. So yeah, I feel like I feel like out west, like there's the allure, there's the lure of of the mule deer and the blacktail, right? And yeah. the white tails are like the invasive species. <laughs> yeah, they are. It's like they're it's like, don't get me wrong, I've hunted plenty of whitetail. I do a lot of hunting out in South Dakota. So I've I've shot quite a few of them, but there's so many of them. They just there's just so many of them. It's getting to a point where even farmers are just get sick and tired of them. Out here, everybody's like, well, it's California too. So Everybody's oh, it's a deer. I love deer. Look at this cute little Bambi. And I'm sitting there looking up recipes, trying to figure out how to eat it. <laughs> so are those, yeah. So are, I mean, um, so you got, you got pigs, which is really cool. That's another like thing that I, I am jealous of in like Southern States, but at the same time, I understand that uh, I shouldn't be jealous of that, which is like pig hunting. Like they're yeah. so destructive and so chaotic, but at the same time, like if you want some food for a month, like just go out and find a pig. <laughs> um, but uh, with with the uh, blacktails and whitetails, you were saying earlier, I five kind of cuts through California and separates. Like blacktails are on the west side, and mule deer are on the east side. Um, Correct. Yeah, that's how the Department of Wildlife here in California designates each one of them. Um, so mostly, like blacktail, they they consider the ghost of the coast. So you got there's the smaller deer. Um, they're similar. They're bifurcated horns like mule deer. They're a smaller deer. Um, you can get some of the bigger ones that are going down in the ag fields and stuff like that. But most of the stuff you're looking at a big bodied blacktail in the coastal ranges you're looking at like 150 to like 180 that's a solid bodied uh blacktail and then obviously you get in the mule deer they're going to be a, a lot bigger than that not stuff you get in the midwest where you can get two three hundred plus pound ones that are eating corn all day but the ones up in the mountains are eating sage manzanita um juniper berries similar things like that so they do get big but nowhere near the size that you're going to see uh midwest uh, east coast or saskatchewan even the big boys <laughs> yeah um, yeah those things are monsters like you see those pictures coming down from canada you're like what the, is that even yeah it's like it, steroids in there they're like <laughs> yeah. running out in the field and injecting them yeah. <laughs> exactly um yeah it's like the rock version of deer like they just yeah exactly <laughs> like you, you wouldn't want to walk down a dark alley and see that thing like, no, i'm not gonna <laughs> yeah. bother with that uh so are you mainly hunting blacktails or white or mule deer then um so i have never shot a mule deer with my bow actually um nine times out of ten what i'm i so i just started last year going to this spot with my buddy that's been hunting uh Lassen National Forest, which is where he's hunting is almost in Nevada. So okay. there's their body size is kind of weird. So that area is um, the largest deer migration corridor in California. They come from Nevada area and they come down into the Central Valley. And um, hold on one second. Sure. 
Uh, I needed some water. Um, and you can get mule deer up there, but they're they're like a hybrid. There's a smaller a smaller mule deer. Um, I went out there last year. At that time, I'd already tagged out, so I I wasn't hunting them. But we saw a bunch. Um, this year we're going to be going up there again, but we're specifically targeting bears. There's a lot of bears up in that area. Um, but no, I have nine times, or I guess it's ten times out of ten, I'm shooting uh, black tail with my bow. Okay. I got but a couple this, areas. Yeah, in this Lashin National Forest, those would be considered mule deer then. So yeah, if you're shooting the bigger body ones, definitely you can get a hybrid there, but according to California's wildlife agency, they're going to say those are mule deer. Do you have to get separate tags for them or no? No, no. That would just be really annoying. That would suck. Yeah. <laughs> and, and some states do that. I mean, if you go to like South Dakota, you, if you get an archery tag, you, uh, I know when I go west of the river, you can get uh, either species, white tail or mule deer, antlered bucks but if you go east of that it's either mule deer or either white tail so you have to be super specific about it but here it's you get two tags which sucks but two tags and it's only antlered unless you get uh entered if you enter into a draw you can actually get an antler list tag okay um, but yeah that those zones are specified uh they're typically like central and southern California, and most of those are blacktail. Gotcha. The, so is that the, so in the areas you hunt, it's pretty much antlered only, which yeah, generally is that like a lower deer, like they're trying to grow the herd then? It, honestly, I think California kind of sucks when it comes to uh managing animals in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you if you drive around, there's the ratio of does to bucks is astronomical. It shouldn't be anywhere near where it is now. So the zone that I hunt is typically A zone, and that's the largest zone in the state. There's A north and A south, and it's the same tag throughout. But it goes yeah. like three quarters of the way up California all the way down to almost Mexico and the whole right. coast. Yeah, it's a massive zone. Um, and then I hunt just above that, which are the B zones. And you get larger black tail deer that are up there. And then I hunt some of the D zones, um, mostly for bears. Um, but the, that'd be like mule deers that are in the Sierra Nevada's Tahoe area. Um, okay. But yeah, what I do mostly is I just get archery only tags, which allow me to hunt in A zone the B zones and some of the D zones. So I can hunt a vast majority of the state without having to actually enter into a drawing for a certain area or buy that zone specific tag. It's just gotcha. easier that way. And I shoot with my bow only anyways. So it kind of just makes Whatever. sense. Yeah. Do you get, I, I, I imagine you get a lot longer season than a rifle as well. Yeah. So like here, Deer season starts this Saturday. Yeah, that goes. is another thing that I want to talk about. Yeah. This yeah. Saturday, everybody listening, this Saturday is, for people who don't listen to this right away, it is July 10th. Like, yeah, you get to start <laughs> hunting July 10th. I think that is phenomenal in itself. Like, I would certainly consider coming out there to hunt 
in the summer for my lifestyle. My wife coaches volleyball in the fall. Okay. Um, and we have two kids and her volleyball season starts in the middle of August and it ends uh, typically in the first week of November, which mm-hmm. for whitetails, like I really like that last week of October, last two weeks of October and the first week of November to hunt. And yeah. with, with her coaching volleyball for high school every single day, pretty much during the week and most, most Saturdays too. So it, it really bogs bogs down a hunting yeah. schedule it bites into your hunting schedule it's like it come does on, honey. it very much does um <laughs> so so every other year i i really push the boundaries of that and i'm like well i'm yeah. leaving to go elk hunting on this date and i'm coming back on this date how do we want to figure this out it's not yeah. a it's not a can i it's a this is what i'm doing yeah, how are we going to solve this problem yeah. <laughs> See, that's the thing it's like and that's the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the other side of the spectrum is the women in our lives right i mean they got to put up with us leaving and we have kids and stuff like that which yeah. is crazy if you think about it's like i have three boys when i have my i'm divorced now so i have my boys 50 50 so i schedule my hunts around that which i'm fortunate and unfortunate for but yeah. um yeah it's you got to think about that too all the time and right yeah i need to talk about I, it i mean if I, I i need to come home and her still to be here right yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> all all your shit's packed up on the front lawn it's like uh yeah i guess i'm not going hunting anymore um but. yeah no and that's so so my compromise with with my wife was um i will go west every other year and that's been the compromise and that's worked out um, but yeah, because of that, um, because my wife coaches volleyball and she teaches, that means the summers are free. So mm-hmm. being able to hunt and actually get in a fun hunt, a cool hunt in July or August and early August, that actually be like something that I'd be very interested in. So the only downside is it is hotter than Hades. <laughs> it's hot. Right. So like yeah. if you're hunting the, so a zone is the one that opens the first. It's always the second Saturday in July for archery. And it, you get a full month of season before general season starts for rifle. Okay. So second Saturday in August is when rifle season opens up and it goes till the third Sunday in September and archery does the same. So you get a full month longer. Now, if you do the AO tag, archery only tag, you can hunt those other zones. So, so technically, I can hunt the second Saturday in July all the way to the end of October, or even I think it's the first week in November. Dang. So I got a bunch of time, and it obviously it's different zones. So A zone starting now, most of that stuff's the coastal mountains. You can get some of the stuff that's redwood trees. Sure. You get some of the oaks and stuff like that. You get the cool breeze from the ocean. And then if you drop down onto the east side of those mountains, you're getting more oak, scrub oak, manzanita. It's more dry, more arid. Yeah. And then if you go, go north, you're going to hit some of those pines and all that stuff. So the terrain is That's way cool. different all over the place. That is really but cool. Yeah. It's, it's different. It's always different. You're hunting essentially the same species, but they're in literally everywhere which is 
crazy. So you got to adapt. You got to be able to either shoot the long distances uh, if you're on the rolling hills with the oak. So you get the oak and it's pretty open underneath the oak. There's not a lot of brush and you're shooting distance. I mean, I shot my last pig at 71 yards. And then you, some of them, I mean, if obviously if you wound it, you get a further shot or I mean, the last last year was the last two deer I got were only like 40, I think 42 and 45 or something like that. But and that's for, a, for me in the in Wisconsin, like I rarely have shooting lanes that are past 40 yards. Like I, yeah, I, and I'm not and I'm not hunting like field edges. Obviously, field edges, you can shoot, you know, a couple hundred yards if you if you yeah but i'm You're saying, shooting like, timbers like, on like trails and stuff like that yeah like i mean even just trimming out lanes and stuff like that it's like all right you you know you start trimming out a lane and you're like all right i'm good and then you get up in your tree or you stand there and you range back and you're like 26 yards is my furthest shot <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that's and it's crazy because like every once in a while i it was two seasons ago i shot a deer at 22 yards and it is very uncommon you come walking around like a trail or something, you walk around a bush and it's just sitting there staring at you. You got lucky nine times out of 10, you're putting a sneak on them. You're trying to get close and 40 yards is very common and past that is not very, that it's very common. I can't even speak. Sorry, but it's very common to get something past 40 yards out here. Um, My buddy, my buddy shot a deer last year, Mendocino, which is, in the mountains north of like San Francisco up there a little ways. Um, he shot his deer at a hundred. See, just, yeah. You can't, you know, you like, can't even, you crazy. Can't even, you can't get even close. Oh, you can't even tell a Midwesterner that they shoot at a hundred. They're going to be like, those real dickheads are going to be like, oh, yeah. that's unethical. That's unethical. Yeah. It, it pisses a lot of people off, but then it comes down to like, I'm not going to tell you how far you can shoot. I know that you feel comfortable. You're going to take an ethical shot at your distance. And if you feel comfortable shooting further, go for it. But I know that my buddy, yeah. Matt, he was shooting a hundred yards. We were actually prepping for the Reading 3d shoot that year. And then it got canceled because of COVID, but we were shooting a hundred yards every day. So we felt comfortable send an arrow at that distance knowing that we were going to be able to make a lethal shot. Yeah. Now, not everybody does that. So they're not going to feel comfortable doing that. And then they have to force their opinion on you like everything else in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, I mean, most, most archery ranges around here, like 60 is 60 is a far shot. Like if they have Mm -hmm. a 60 bag, like you're like, Holy cow, this range has got a, you know, a decent, decently long range. And, and I, I certainly agree. It's whatever you're, pra- you're comfortable practicing with and your skill level. Cause you have guys that, that like, I'm sure your buddy could, could punch a group at a hundred better than some people could do at 30, you know, but no yeah. one's going to bitch about someone shooting at 30. It's just like, you know, I, I'll be honest. I got a friend right now who is uh, he tore his rotator cuff and he's got a high mm. end. He's got a, like an $8,000 hunt in Utah plan for me mm. on stock. And yeah, so, archery yeah and he tore his rotator cuff and he's not able to get the surgery uh because the surgery is a 12 week uh rehab minimum so he's sitting there like well i'm gonna need to draw my bow back at some point and 
his thought process to all of that is essentially, I just need to get my bow back once. And I'm like, Mm-mm. yeah, but what about all the practice leading up to that? Like, you're not going to shoot your bow for the next three months and you're going to go yeah. out there. And I mean, I, if, if you can get a stock to 10 yards, sure. Like, you know, it's hard to miss at that point. But if you think you're going to get a stock out to like 55 and you're going to draw back once for the first time, you know, in three months and be able to lace one in them in the heart. Yeah. Like, getting a there. mule deer under 50, you're, you got to be Houdini to do that stuff, man. It's right. Like, and most of that stuff's super open. Trying yeah. to get anything close from that is like, you got to worry about wind. You got to worry mm-hmm. about all these other variables. And it's like, if you're not shooting your bow, you got to worry about your third axis because guarantee you're on high elevation you're gonna be on side of a hill or something you got to make sure everything's dialed in just pulling back your bow once is not suggested <laughs> no and not, i'm like well, did you consider you know dropping your poundage maybe instead of shooting 70 pounds now you're shooting 55 or 60 or whatever your bow goes down to you know what i mean like and guys I said, don't want to do that Guys oh no. no oh Our no, no, no. this is yeah, yeah, this exactly. guy this guy is very much about uh about his stats to the outside world so yeah he's, he's not I, my dad had the same issue he had to get both the shoulders replaced and he does he wants to do archery right and then he's the kind of guy that will shoot like two weeks in before is like all right my stuff shoots all right i'm like okay well no i i i don't think that's right but he'll pull he's gotten to a point where he pulls back a few times now but yeah you you need to practice man i've like i literally just before this went and did my, a 3d course local 3d turn yeah so i tried to shoot literally as much as humanly possible because if i know if i wound or miss an animal that it was my fault not my equipment right yeah and that's and that's the way it should be and in the way that people determine their own effective range is by them shooting and them picking, picking a choice. Like I wish, I wish I was confident enough to shoot out to a hundred, you know, but I, man, I'll, I'll lob arrows at a hundred for fun with buddies, but I'm not, yeah. you know, pulling the trigger on one, but, and that's okay. And it's okay that your buddy is like, for me, my effective range right now, like I would be, I would be hard pressed to shoot anything over 40 yards. Um, mm-hmm. I like to keep it under 40. And in the scenarios that I hunt, in the places that I hunt, there are very, very few scenarios where I'm shooting over 40. So and that's all that matters. Yeah. If you're comfortable with it, then it's like, why not? But yeah. I guarantee you, if you come out West or if you're hunting anything West, you're going to be practicing those first yes. shots until you feel efficient exactly. in it. So. Yeah. And so, yep. When I go out elk hunting out West, yeah, it's like, I find ways to, you know, push it out to 60, 70, 80. So that that 50 yarder, 40 yarder seems like a chip shot. Right. Yeah. That's the um, thing you want to practice like almost double what your normal range is. So that literally it feels like you can shoot it with your eyes shut. Right. Yeah, exactly. I know on this stupid, stupid new housing development is going on behind my house like i had a range out to 120 <laughs> behind my house and now there is a house at 30 yards and i'm like so like we know that anthony's out here practicing we're gonna <laughs> fuck with him a little bit all right dude yeah it, that housing development has sat there for 12 years and then uh and then our town 
finally bought it from the developer. Um, mm. They bought it. And, and I know all this stuff because my mayor lives across the street and she became mayor. And then within like the first month, she bought it. Um, mm. And uh, well, the town bought it, but they bought uh, 20 lots for 600 grand and they sell 30 grand each lot yeah. they sold each lot for 35 grand and then they get the taxes for it so she was she she had a w under her belt and they're all nice houses and my house value has skyrocketed because of it so i'm i'm cool with it it's whatever yeah. i just need to, I need to go find a different place to shoot <laughs> and that's a, i don't know how public land is out there you can typically around here you can find a spot in public land and throw yeah yeah out here right now um you just like if you go out to the piece of public, you throw your target out, um, like a Reinhardt, you know, 18 and one, whatever, give it a chuck. And uh, by the time it hits the ground, you're going to start being carried away by mosquitoes and you'll get, <laughs> like, you'll get like five, five shots in before you want to just, just call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, and that's, that's another interesting part about Wisconsin is like, where our property is in southwestern Wisconsin, it's a lot of hills, a lot of valleys, a lot of like flowing creeks, right? And where I'm at, where I live, is a lot of swampy areas. There are, last year I hunted um, at my property early season down in southwest Wisconsin, and I got bit twice by mosquitoes. Out here, I can't take a piss outside my house without getting bit five it's times. all that stagnant water yeah you get that moving water they don't like it you get that stagnant water they're everywhere right exactly so that's <laughs> why that's one of the reasons why early season i don't even mess with hunting uh hunting around here anymore unless it's mm -hmm. like a, a a really good cold front and i know what i'm i know exactly where i'm going and what i'm doing otherwise i'll just wait to head down to the property and hunt something down there just so i don't have to avoid them or just yeah. so I can avoid them. Avoid them. Uh, we, I mean, I we don't get mosquitoes as bad. I mean, we get them to a point where they're annoying. It's mostly gnats because it's so damn hot. You get like the gnats are flying around your eyes and your ears trying to eat the sweat off your face. <laughs> and then lately the ticks, the ticks have been horrendous out here. Really? They're really bad. Yeah. In the so you gotta watch like out for dry, that. The real dry stuff. Yeah. They'll sit the grass. So it's weird because we'll get somewhat wet winters and then the grass comes up and you get knee high to like thigh high grass and then summer comes and dries out and they all just sit right at the top of that to cling on to whatever walks by. And it's the last two or three seasons have been pretty bad with ticks. So Dang. that's the one thing we really have to worry about out here. Man, and we don't like turkey season for us april and may um generally in june uh early june is when our tur turkey season ends that stuff you get ticks for sure mm -hmm. um and it's mainly mainly in may and june but then after that not a ton but i don't i smell poison ivy and get it so oh, really yeah so like i don't <laughs> i i really don't do a whole lot and this, it was like an adult, it's like adult onset poison ivy. I don't know what the hell. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, but uh, about four years ago, five, six years ago, it doesn't matter. Six years ago, I got it really bad. 
And, and I actually like pulled out a, a stem from my arm the next morning. And I must've, you know, just really got into it. And, and it became a little, a little rash. And, and my wife girlfriend at the time was like, Hey, you should probably go get that thing checked out. And I was like, it's a rash, whatever. It'll go away. Probably. Yeah. Plant. And it just went from like my shoulder down my arm across my chest to my other arm. It just went haywire. And since then, like it's terrible for me. So come, come early June, when that stuff starts popping up, I'm out, I'm out of the woods yeah. unless I'm fully covered and, you know, head to toe clothes. And, uh, and I have something very important to do other than yeah. that. I'm sticking to, I'm sticking to four wheel trails and, uh, and easy to get to access areas. Yeah. But, we luckily don't have poison. ivy. we have poison oak out here. And okay. I've been fortunate enough to not ever get it yet. Uh, my dad, I got, I think I got it from my pops. My pops never got it, has never gotten it. And so I've been pretty fortunate about it. And yeah. nine times out of 10 during the season, you're going to get a deer that goes right into the thickest poison oak patch that you're going to have to drag out. So uh, typically I'm the guy that has to go in and drag them out, but <laughs> luckily I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, when I, when I got it really bad, I started doing research on it and obviously wanted to understand what I was getting into and all that. About 50% of the U.S. has allergies to poison ivy, poison oak, uh, sumac, poison sumac. Um, they're all pretty much the same thing, but slight variations. Um, and yeah, so 50% has that. And essentially, if you shower within, typically within four hours and you use like a dish soap or something like that, some sort of grease cutting uh, soap, you are going to be okay. Um, this year I did get a little bit on my hands. I didn't shower within four hours. Um, I showered at like hour six or seven. Um, but that's just because I got a Turkey and then I was taking pictures and dicking around and all that stuff. But, uh, but overall you should, you should be all right. And either way, I just like to, to stay out of it. Um, yeah, that's that's one thing I I'll always, once I get back, especially, well, unless I have to process an animal, I'm, washing up well, you, but yeah my, you're washing up for ticks making sure they ain't yeah like, take, my thing is i always take like, my balls right away yeah oh instantly yeah. dude instantly <laughs> put your arms up kind of walk around you yep. look in the mirror doing like contortionist stuff to look oh around. yeah one time That's i got home true. and i always i always strip down in my garage just because yeah. i don't want i don't want to like go into my house and put some ticks on the bed and then have my wife just totally bitch about it like no oh yeah right you're, you're so, sleeping outside if that happens <laughs> yeah exactly so uh, i stripped down in my garage get butt ass naked and the first time i ever did that uh or the first i shouldn't say the first time i did that first time my wife like walked out to like throw i don't know throw something away in the garbage out in the garage she like comes out she drops in the garage she looks at me she goes what the hell are you doing <laughs> i'm just like standing there touching myself like looking for ticks yeah. and all that <laughs> didn't hear it open That's the so door awesome. yeah i was like babe i'm just looking for ticks like you want to like, come you, check you're me sitting there you, yeah you do the <laughs> white apache no. what's going on no yeah she was not interested <laughs> yeah i've gotten bit by a couple of them but um yeah, like right on the waistlines one that typically happens and uh i always get them yeah i've gotten them so i've been bit probably 10 times but 
in the crotch of my like where my elbow is on the inside yeah. of my elbow the soft skin right there yeah and i read somewhere we don't have really bad limes or anything out here there, there's a few cases i actually know someone that has it but um i think if you get bit as long as you get them out within 48 hours you're good mm. i think that's when the enzymes in the tick activate the parasite inside the tick to transfer into your bloodstream so mm -hmm. it's like it's right it's either 24 or 48 hours so okay once you get them out then you should be good yeah. so i spray all spray right. all my stuff with permethrin that sawyer stuff looks great mm -hmm. and just saturate my clothes with it before season and then last it's like six or nine washes in like 40 something days yeah oh no that's yeah that's a good idea um I have no idea on that Lyme disease stuff. I just tried. If I find them, I pull them out, right? I yeah, out right that's away. the thing. Just yank them. <laughs> yeah. Set them on fire. Yeah. Viking burial for them. Yeah, They're exactly. My nasty mom, little My mom actually got some this year, and she's not a – she loves the outdoors, and she, for whatever reason, she doesn't uh, – shouldn't get a lot of ticks. But this year, she got three or four of them. And what she did – it, she's a she's a physical therapist so she works with a bunch of doctors um mm -hmm. and uh the docs say like if you get ticks on you keep them like pull them off mm -hmm. you and keep them in case you have some weird symptoms later on in life they can grab that tick so she put all all four of them in a plastic ziploc baggie alive yeah. and just zipped them up and put them put them in a container and then put them in her cupboard. <laughs> You'd be surprised how long they last in the ziplocs, man. It was they last for sure. It was a week. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a week later and they're all four of them were still moving around when she was showing them. No oxygen, nothing. Oh, this little thing. And they're just fine cruising around, hanging out, just hanging out with their buddies. How, how little they need to survive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oof, yeah. but yeah she was she was concerned about um she had a really small de a deer tick do you guys have those out there so i think to be honest with you i just so whenever i call a deer tick or whatever i call them they're like the winged ones they almost look like a hybrid between an ant and a tick okay and that's i've never had them bite me or anything like that okay that's definitely not what we have uh like a deer, uh, you had a wood tick, which is like the size of a kind of like a Q-tip head. They're pretty easy mm -hmm. to get. Um, you, they're they're bigger. Uh, yeah. But uh, the other, the, a deer tick is like the a little bit bigger than the size of a pinhead. Oh, uh, okay. Not like the needle part, but the but the other the other flat the ball part. Area. Yeah, yeah. So they're like super small and. Uh, and those are the ones around us that carry limes. So oh, okay. wood, ticks, wood ticks can carry them, but it's less prevalent. Uh, yeah. Whereas deer ticks are more prevalent. And uh, my mom thought they were, my mom thought the deer tick was, was just the body of a wood tick. Cause the common, I think it's a really common myth that you're going to pull, you're going to pull the tick off and the head's going to stay stuck in you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it can happen, but it's, it's pretty slim to know if you use a q-tip and get or not a q-tip but like tweezers to get down yeah. in there and yank you're you're good right i know that's what and i've never i've never even come close to having one rip off because it's only the people that would like grab them by the ass and pull them out like no yeah. get right up just like you're supposed to pull your arrows already out of the target right get right yeah. up to the target pull right your arrow 
Get you almost want to pinch your skin as you're doing it to get it out. Like yeah. get right up on it. Yeah. So a lot of people, they get, it's already inside of you. So you might as well just touch it and get it over <laughs> with. But a lot of the people are freaking out. They want to get it and they smash the, it's, right. people are weird, uh, but. All right. So back to, back to blacktails and hunting. So, I mean, you're starting July 10th, which is in a week mm-hmm. or a few days. It, um, yeah. It's Saturday. Yeah. So in your, this is our, I mean, it's so hot. What type of hunting are you doing? Are you doing mainly spot and stock? You doing, you doing tree stands or are you sitting on water or what are you doing to, to kill these? Uh, spot and stock mostly. So, okay. um, so this weekend I got, my parents have 30 acres in a town South of me that we can hunt. And it's, it's a narrow, long piece of land and it's, heavily pressured with a lot of hunters in the area um so that we actually will sit on water on that we have a natural spring on the property so we'll sit on the water for that yeah it's it's been good every once in a while but then we've had some issues with the neighbor that i'm not gonna dive into but so do you yeah so do you run trail cams on that and kind of hunt like you're hunting whitetails yeah so on that property we do we have like 10 or 12 trail cameras look around um there's a few deer starting to get less and less because the mountain lions, there's a lot of mountain lions over there. Okay. So we have to worry about that. Um, the other piece of land that I hunt, it's about 150 acres. And uh, I just this year started putting up trail cameras just for shits and giggles. And um, in the early season, uh, well, winter to like, spring it's mostly does that are in the area the bucks go off on i don't even know where they vanish into thin air but um come around uh turkey season's about the same time you guys have it so it's march april and may and right around that when i'm hunting up there i see the growth on the, the bucks coming in and everything like that so um on that property, I do mostly spot and stock. I know kind of where the animals are going to be. They travel between the neighboring property and our property, the property that we hunt or the property that I'm able to hunt. Um, there's a, a good portion of it. It's really heavy timber oak, um, just real dense. And the deer will come in there and bed. And then what they'll do is they'll migrate out of there and feed throughout the day the neighboring property has a decent sized pond that they'll go and i am able to, if i stay on the top part of the property i can glass down and check that pond to see if any activities down there and then they'll actually the back side where that pond is there's a little bit of timber on the neighbor's property where they can bed down there but a lot of the times they'll come back onto the property that i can hunt where they're going to be in that. So I'm kind of doing a little spot and stock, a little ambush uh, hunting, yeah. s- sitting on trails. But uh, I've only ever once sat in a tree stand and I hated it. <laughs> I, I can't sit still. I just can't do it. I, I sat in it for three hours and I was driving myself nuts. Well, you feel, yeah. So, I mean, based on, I, I like the, well, I want to get back to that hunting style, but based on like when I hunt in September and I go elk hunting and I'm moving all day, every day, checking shit out all over the place. I feel like I'm doing something by moving around, by getting going, by, by calling, 
by being active, I feel mentally, all right, Anthony, you're trying, you're, you're, you're giving it a good shot. And then I come back and I go and I sit in a tree stand for four hours. And the entire time I'm thinking I should go look over here. I should go look over there. I should go check this. I should go check that. Like you feel like you're not doing anything when you're in a tree stand. Like walking around, you're satisfying your curiosity. You're like, what's over on that other side over there? It's like, well, I'm on my feet. Why don't I walk over there and check it out? And sometimes it works out and you see an animals. Other times you don't. And then while you're over there, you're like, oh, let's go check out on that other side. And then before you know it, you put 10, 15 miles on. And I just like that style of hunting. I can't sit still. I just can't. Because like you were saying, I, I let the curiosity get the best of me. And after three hours, I literally got out of the tree stand and started walking around. (laughs) No, dude, I, uh, I, I see, I think that that style of strategy, do you ever watch the hunting public? Uh, I haven't watched any of the newer stuff, but yeah, I watched a bunch of their stuff last like few months ago when they were doing most of the stuff when they were doing like the elk hunts with, uh, born and raised and then some of the white tail, like, uh, where they're, I remember one of the ones that are boating into some of the public land and they're kind of yeah. cruising around. I like their ground to pound spot and stock stuff. So that is, Jeez. so yeah, Zach Farenbaugh, uh, I, him and I talked on the podcast a while back and he has a very similar strategy to that, which is like, he's like, I haven't used a tree stand in a couple of years. Like I'm just, I, I, and that's not accurate. I mean, he has used it, but it's not, it's very much not his preferred method. Like he wants yeah. to be on the ground to move around and to not be, uh, what do I want to say? Restricted to where you can get in a tree. Like if this is the spot to be, I want to be here regardless of if there's a tree or not. And, mm-hmm. and like, I want to set up. And I really like the, the thought that you have in the sense of it, 150 acres is certainly feasible in the Midwest. You know, the the thing, the thing that's hard is, is seeing through the vegetation in 150 acres, whereas out, out by you, it's a little bit more sparse. So you can see that Mm -hmm. far and you can take a look, but I like that idea of essentially being able to have a Western style hunt where you're on the ground and you're doing a spot and sock and you're ambushing with a spot and stock like but also at the same time you're hunting a smaller parcel so kind of like all right you know the deer should typically be around here i can find them and based on that i have because i've hunted this property previously i have routes that i can take to get out in front of that deer and hopefully they choose you know path a and they walk by me at 32 yards which yeah you know i've already checked out before is that kind of how you're doing that yeah, so you're you're kind of watching the animal. You're you're doing a little bit of the spotting and less of the stalking. You're doing like spot and ambush, I guess. You're glassing them okay. up. You can see it's like, all right, well, this animal's speeding this way. Which way can you go from here? There's like you were saying, trail A, B, C. Like, all right, well, it kind of looks like he's going down this area. And sometimes you get lucky enough to where the trails are close enough to where you can kind of set up in between the two or go from there and then obviously out here you can be shooting a little bit further so if you're going to get used to shooting it's like all right well this trail right here is 30 yards but that one's 60 it's like you got to be prepared for that and a lot of this stuff you 
you're talking about heavier brush you before you know it, you're going to have it pop up in front of you or something i'm assuming out here you got a little bit of time to actually kind of play with it a little bit um so yeah you can being on your feet a little bit more beneficial out here um, yeah the other thing is like you were saying in a tree stand you are stuck to that tree stand and what i've seen from a lot of videos is people won't utilize that tree stand because of the wind is wrong or whatever and I think that's kind of what came up with that whole saddle hunting where like I want to do the tree stand, but I can't hunt here. So let me go over here where the wind is. So it's kind of doing the Western style trees. It's like Western tree stand hunting, I guess. So you can kind of play the wind a little bit more and be able to access areas that you wouldn't normally be able to because you have to put up a couple hundred pound tree stand with a ladder on it or whatever. You get that <laughs> like a saddle or whatever. Right. So <laughs> yeah that, that's kind of it's what i awesome to listen to you explain that well, <laughs> i honestly i've used a ladder once it was a or a sorry a tree stand once it was a climbing tree stand i've never used a saddle in my life i i'm on the ground i like to be on the ground yeah. and be able to move around because wind can shift so it's like fuck all right well the wind's coming this way now let me drop down here let me see if i can get that all right do i have enough cover where i can actually get a good clean shot off without the animal seeing me and it's just there's always something going on mm -hmm. and around here so the, the kind of shitty thing about a zone is the rut doesn't start till the last week of season so you can't oh. play on that and so the bucks are in bachelor herds at the beginning of season so there's going to be if you find one buck by himself, it's kind of weird. Typically there's two, three, four, five, maybe six, depending on where you are. The, sometimes they get more, but okay. you got all these eyes on you and you're trying to position around. You don't have this one lonesome, massive buck by himself where you see in a lot of videos of white tail they're targeting during the rut where big, uh, big white tails coming in, coming to rattling or whatever. So you're playing on oh, their, yeah yeah trying to get some action mm -hmm. so here they're still uh well they're still in the velvet right now yeah. so start this weekend they're going to be in velvet there's some that are already shedding depending on where they are in the state they're going to be shedding already but vast majority of where we're hunting is uh they're in velvet till almost august so okay. we've got a couple weeks where they're in the velvet obviously not going to be fighting not going to be doing anything and the antlers are a lot more uh sensitive so they're not going to be going through the really thick stuff they're going to be bedded down in the more opened bottom like oaks and stuff like that and then the heat uh yeah. you gotta watch for water and then a lot of the water is not in the dense stuff so you got to be able to move around and figure out the wind and it's it's always a constant chess game all the time and it's something yeah, it's that's never super over here yeah it's always different last year it took me 60 days to even get an animal like get a deer took yeah. 60 days of hunting and then the year prior to that i shot one opening morning like 30 30 minutes in so it's <laughs> there's it's just they're always obviously that's how hunting is but i mean sometimes they like to be in this one area and then they could be there for weeks and then next week they're on the next ridge over and they won't even be over there, but you're already planning everything. It's like, all right, well, the wind's been consistently coming this way. So you kind of set everything up and then it just 
gone. So falls apart. Yeah. Always, man. Always falling apart. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uh, just how it is. But yeah. So I I and I looked it up um before we started the the podcast here. And a license for a non-resident is uh 180 bucks for a hunting license. Okay. And then another 310 for a deer tag. Yeah. So, Which, I mean, you're essentially looking at 500 bucks for a license. Um, yeah, that's about, I mean, it's like 400 for South Dakota. I think it is for everything said and done. So, I mean, it's a little bit more expensive. You want to drive a little bit further. Wisconsin, much to my dismay, is like 130 bucks. Really? For everything? For Yeah, for the whole season. Just come buy a tag. You can hunt anywhere you want. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> and you get a doe and a buck. Um, unless you go up in real Northern Wisconsin, then you get a buck only. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was looking at that and that's, that seems to be a good, a a decent hunt. I mean, are, and you're hunting, you said the 30 acres, the 150, and then, but you also mentioned a couple national parks, like, yeah. So the different units for that or. So yeah. Yeah. There are, um, a zone's got a few of them. You're going to be looking at like Los Padres National Forest, and uh, that's a relatively big forest. There's some BLM land that's scattered throughout. Um, that's another, it's a good coastal range. It's central California down to like south central California. Um, you can get the lower part of Mendocino if you go to the north part of uh, A zone. And then um, if you, it would depend if you got an eight or an archery only tag. I'm not sure if they do do that for non-residents, but if you did do that, you could hunt different zones. So you could hunt a zone, depending on how long you're here really too. Yeah. But um, B zones, a good one. It starts in August and it goes till I want to say end of October ish, right around there, maybe early October. I'll have to look that up again, but that's a really good one. There's a lot of good land up there and there's some monster bucks and you can get a lot of hiking backcountry stuff that are up there. Um, yeah, only good. downside is the further up you go on the coastal range, you got to deal with all the pot growers, all the illegal ones. And they, it gets a bit dodgy, um, especially if you get down to the Creek bottoms, cause they're going to be harvesting all that water. You got to watch out for those people, but um even like literally even in the department of fish and game like emails they send out say all right well deer season be cautious of the legal grows if you do see one this is what you got to do so it's it's big enough to where the government's even stating it's like hey you need to probably not go in there yeah i could see that for sure would be a problem (laughs) um so with that um, looking at these licenses, like we kind of have a, it says like a, a second deer tag and a first deer tag. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I gave you the price about roughly $500. Um, but look, look into that stuff and, and figure that out if this is something you want to do. Um, in terms of, uh, hot, you said it's, it's hot. Are we talking like a hundred or, so, or, yeah. So this weekend's supposed to be 91 last year if you're hunting um a little bit closer to central valley last year was like 115 okay 
What are you it's, wearing? It's warm. What are you wearing to fight that? Uh, I've been. I actually switched to uh, the first light merino stuff. Okay. So I'm doing the obsidian pants. I wear the merino underwear, merino socks, and then their wick. Uh, I'll either depending on how hot it's gonna be, I'll do the long sleeve hoodie or just the short sleeve. But okay, that stuff's great, and it doesn't hold. In, Oh, I was doing synthetic before that and I smelled so bad. <laughs> you sweat in it. And if you go for a couple of days in that stuff, it's just, you, it's rancid. Yeah. So switching to that Merino is super helpful. Um, and I've, it's, yeah, I've found that as well. Just like, I mean, to be able to go and elk hunt and cover probably like three to 10 miles a day, depending on that and mm-hmm. sweat your nuts off walking up the mountain um to, and then you need it to dry at the top yeah. and then you need it to not stink tomorrow because you only brought you know one base layer one top and one bottom mm-hmm. um that stuff has been phenomenal just in yeah. general like first light merino wool for sure but also i mean Q- kuyu and sidka and i think there's another one called 33 below that a lot of people are starting to mm-hmm. work with um just that those merino bases black ovis makes some uh yeah i can't i can't recommend those enough i i really can't they're worth their weight in gold it, honestly like the, obviously each company is gonna have a different fit and feel so try as many as you can because some people like a lot of my buddies like the kuyu stuff but i it's a little itchy on me and the the cut is a little different uh, okay. the black Ovis stuff is good, but it's still got a weird cut. So, I mean, obviously if you're going to dive into it, it's going to be a little pricey out the gate, but try as many as you can to get that fit. And it's, it's worth literally, it's a game changer. If you're going to be dealing with the heat or even the cold, I've used the stuff, uh, last year where I was hunting, the hottest it got was 108, I think. <laughs> and I was hunting that and it was, it's hot, but I mean, it's yeah. not to where you're, you're feeling like, okay, well, I need to just call it quits. And then I've used yeah. that same stuff out in South Dakota where it's 18 degrees and just threw like a jacket on top of that. And it's, I'm good. Yeah. It's so, a, it's a ridiculous fabric. It really is. Like it keeps you, it keeps you cool when it's hot out and it keeps you hot when it's cool out. Like it's some it's, weird sorcery. Yeah. I don't get it. It is. It is total sorcery. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of it, so I can't recommend that enough. So um, with the when you're you mentioned earlier that um, when you go, I forget which one was it. Lesson, Leeson, Lassen, Lassen, Lassen. Yeah. yeah. So when you're going there, you're focusing bears. You said yeah, that. mostly bears there. Um, because that area where we're hunting is a draw zone. So my buddy gets drawn for deer there. Um, and I, when I do my archery only tags, it doesn't allow me to hunt that draw zone. Okay. But a bear, if you purchase a bear tag, it allows you to hunt the entire state. You don't need to worry about any of the zones. The only thing is, is a bear tag allows you to hunt bear. So it's kind of weird. There's an archery season that's des- uh, specifically designated for bear and it starts August it's like the second week in August and goes till the first week in September. And then it goes when the general deer season starts for that zone, you can hunt bears. So say 
A zone starts general season or general season A zones the second Saturday in August. You can start then with rifle hunting. Yeah, so for bear, you can hunt during general deer season. And there is an archery season for bear, which starts the second week typically in August and goes till the first weekend in September. But the law states that you can hunt bears during the general season deer with a rifle. So other zones are obviously going to set up where the zone starts at a later time than others, and it's going to be scattered throughout the state. So you can hunt that zone, say it starts September 20 something, and you can hunt rifle, hunt bears there during that. But the thing is, is bears, there's a quota. It's like, I want to say it's 1800 and something bears for the entire state. And that quota has yet to be filled uh, in the last eight or nine years after they banned hunting them with hounds. So mm. what they did is, well, you they're never going to fill it because spot and stalking bears, you can't bait here. So it's all spot and stock. <laughs> and doing that for bears hard. I've been yeah. doing it for three years and I haven't even gotten a bear. I've seen bears and I've never taken a shot on a bear because of certain circumstances. I've just never felt like it was a lethal or just ethical shot. So I've just never taken it. But like last year, there was only 919 bears that were taken. I think it was okay. out of the entire state. But the cool thing about the bear season is, is you can get a bear tag. You can hunt the archery season. You can hunt during the general deer season. But once deer season ends, you could still hunt bears up until December 29th. So okay. you can hunt, hunt them for a long time. The only thing yeah. is you're going to be further up in the mountains. You have to worry about them starting to get into like denning and hibernating when the snow hit. So you kind of have yeah. to play different zones and uh, figure out where they are, where they're going to be dropping down elevation. They're going to be chasing deer down the hill when they're migrating down the hill from the snow. So interesting. There's a, yeah, the bear, there's a lot of bears here and a lot of people don't know that, but bear, there's a plethora of them here and they just get more and more, especially since we're not hunting them as much as we used to when we had hounds we yeah. can't get as many so interesting and and the hounds thing obviously was that just uh a, a decision of we don't like yeah that. i so i wasn't hunting bears back then so i didn't really know exactly what was going on but for the vast majority of the stuff hunting related in the state of california is more based on emotions rather than any scientific fact yeah. They last year they tried to ban bear hunting and they were saying that it was the hunters that were pushing them into the cities and the bears are now attacking people and stuff like that. It's like we've been doing the same thing for how long and now the bears are coming in. It's like if you put two and two together, you'd think that okay, well, there's a a vast majority of bears now compared to back in the day when we we're able to hunt and get the quota filled. Now that they're not getting that quota filled, there's more bears and the territory is going to expand and the alpha bears are going to be pushing the younger bears out and the younger bears are going to go in and get the free chihuahua that's walking down the road. There's just, yeah. there's, there's a lot of emotional based stuff here in the state that kind of sucks, but it's still damn good hunting. 
So yeah, that is that's interesting. So then, I mean, look looking at because because we talked about where you live. Like essentially, the thirty acres that you hunt and the one hundred and fifty that you hunt are those west of I five. So those are kind yes. of more coastal. Yes, they're all on the coastal. They're actually in the Santa Cruz Mountains mountain range. They're um, okay. They're all less. They're all less than twenty miles from the ocean. Gotcha. Okay. So so then and then with that, uh, then that that La- Lawson. I I don't know. I maybe I can't say it right. That's that's east of I five, and that looks like a more deserty terrain. Are you when your buddy's getting that draw tag? Are you guys noticing, like, is there a major difference in how the deer act, um, or at least, like, essentially, like in the way that you guys hunt them? Is there a major difference from hunting them on the west on the west coast, like coastal versus more east when it's dry? Yes, the the Lassen. So Lassen's kind of a big area. It's if you get further, like lower elevation you're going to get closer to central valley and there's actually it's pretty arid and there's a lot of lava rocks when shasta mount shasta erupted there's okay. it looks like mars out there there's lava rocks the size of small children all over the place and then grass is coming up and you could roll yeah. your ankles pretty bad um vegetation is really sparse so that's all really long shots there's or you have to drop down and into the like the arroyos and the dry creek beds where it's going to be a little bit more uh, steep and it gets dense in there. But the stuff that he's hunting is further east, <clears throat> almost near Nevada. And it's um, the area, the closest area to it would be considered the caribou wilderness. And that stuff's a little bit higher elevation. It's pretty dense with a lot of pines. Um, the hard thing is there is you're hunting them in August, so it's warm. However, there's literally creeks and ponds and lakes everywhere. You can blind, blindfold yourself and you'll walk into a lake, no matter which way that you go. It's, there's water everywhere. So So that makes it difficult. It makes it super difficult. So you're having to find certain areas that you know that they're bedding if they're going from a food source to the bedding. So you have to kind of, there's a lot of movement, a lot of, um, it's hard to do any spotting because it's more dense. So you're doing more still hunting where you're just take a few steps, stop, look around, listen. All right. Yeah. You're there for a couple minutes. Now walk again, stop, look around. Um, yeah, it's always different styles of hunting wherever you are. Mm-hmm. Like if you, came in lower elevations going to be more spawn stock um <clears throat> like uh there's a, a big area there called um dye creek and there's some really big deer that get pulled out of there and it's there's some vegetation it's not a lot but most of it is uh open grasslands rolling hills and it's got those lava rocks everywhere so gotta put a good sneak on those i've only I've hunted that area a couple of times, but that was a rifle. So you're going to get some further shots and obviously it's going to be a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. Rifle or archery hunting there is pretty tough. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Um, all right. 
Well, one other, I have one other question. Was there anything else that you find that you think is unique that you're like, when you watch hunting shows or whatever, you're like, man, that would never happen here. Everybody has those kind of things that they notice. Is there anything off the top of your head? Um, I, I guess the one thing would be is you see a lot of people bitching and moaning about out-of-state hunters yeah. in other states all the time. Just, oh, uh, this guy from California, this guy that's like Idaho hates Oregon or whatever it is. Yeah. They just hate it. And there's not very often you get out-of-state hunters here. Uh, so it's very uncommon to see that. And I know that people would still be pretty pissed off about some people would be mad about people from out of town coming in, but it's so few and far between here that it's kind of never really bothered me in any way. And it's always been my mentality. I've hunted out of state and I've never had any issues. I typically say I'm from California. Don't hold it against me, but <laughs> it's like i'm out here hunting i'm i'm trying to be respectful so i think that's kind of where it's at but other than that the one thing is i think it happens in every state there's a lot of road hunters here sure but i think it's just the out-of-state thing really i mean okay. the hunting community here is always super helpful um to a certain extent of there's ever since the pandemic happened or covid or whatever you want to call it happened there's a lot of people that want to start hunting and a lot of people nowadays aren't willing to put in the work to actually find a spot. They're always like, Hey, where are you going? What's uh, what's a good place to go? What's a good place to check? And there's a lot of, if, if you look online on Facebook, it happens all the time in the California section. It's like, Oh my goodness. And it's just fun to look at all the comments from everybody. Just giving them a hard time. <laughs> But it's like, yeah. that has happened a lot actually here is the people, there's a lot of people starting hunting, That's so, good. So, which is awesome. Yeah. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but it's like, uh, how do we, for me, how, yeah. How do you help for me, without like, exactly it's like, how you do that? It's like, it's like, all right, well, this is what you look for. Download Onyx or base maps to whatever app you use download that and this is what you're looking for you're looking for shelter you're looking for water depending on where you're at you're looking for certain elevations uh definitely a food source depending on where you're at it's going to be different so this is what you're looking for and that's kind of what i always go with it's like yeah all right and look in this general area i don't say here's my gps coordinates for this spot that i saw <laughs> this buck you know so i mean it kind of goes and points in the right direction and that's kind yeah. of where uh, so some of the private land stuff obviously is private land so you just are there but the public land is like all right well go up in this direction it's like all right so and then i started finding my own spots where i like to go so if you just go a lot of people are i think worried they're worried about taking that first step and going out and doing it themselves yeah. and it's it's not as hard as a lot of people think. I mean, they're more worried about like the what ifs, but what if a bear attacks me or what if my tire goes flat? And there's certain things you could remedy that and give you a peace of mind, but just taking that first step, I think is awesome. And first, I mean, getting them hunting is great, 
but I just giving that mental fortitude to be like, Hey dude, or lady, you can get out and hunt. I know you can, you just need to get out there and do it. And a lot of people are, they're just, they get kind of stuck in the ways like they're already just researching. They overwhelm themselves. Yeah. I I think that is one, a huge, a huge barrier to entry nowadays is seeming like it's a quote unquote anxiety. Like I'm in sales. I, I have anxiety every day about calling people and asking them to buy shit from me, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. stop me from doing my job. Right. It's, it's, it's how you manage that and how you overcome that. And, 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 and as you work through it, over and over and over again, it becomes less and less and less. So, I mean, same if you're, if you want to run, right. Looking, looking out and being like, man, I'm going to run five miles today for somebody who's never ran before. Like that's a, that's, that's a huge there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear yeah. in that. Right. Same yeah. with, same with someone just starting hunting and going, man, I'm going to go and hike four miles and I'm going to shoot a buck today. Like, that's a, there's a lot of anxiety that can come there. But if you go, if you go 500 yards from the truck and then next time you go a thousand yards and then next time mm-hmm. you go a mile and a half and the next time you go four miles, like you, you lose that over time. And I yeah. think, I think what we need to do as, as more experienced hunters with, with these people is uh, take them out. Like you said, to general areas, like, Hey, this is a general area. Um, I, I have, I have 10, 10 spots on this thousand acres that, that are pretty damn good, but I'm not going to tell you them Mm. because it took me four years to figure them out. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, and I hope you can appreciate that. I don't want to just give them over to you. I want you to be successful. I'm going to take you to one of them today, but but don't think that this is the only spot. There are plenty of other spots that are even better than this. You just need to put yourself out there and go try to find them yourself. And then it gives them, it gives them like, cause you want them to have a good time on their first hunt, right? You want, you want them to see an animal at least. So you're not going to take some shithole. Right. Um, And that kind of backfired on me a little bit in a sense. I did that for a guy um, actually a guy I was selling to, uh, he, he lived about 20 minutes from me and I, and he's, he's like, Hey man, I know you're a big hunter. I drive three to four hours every year to hunt. Um, or I used to drive that far. That's where my family's got property. Uh, we haven't been seeing a lot of deer. I know you hunt around a lot around here. Can you show me a spot or two? I was like, yeah, sure. No problem, man. So I took him out to a spot. I set him up on a spot where he was gun gun deer hunting where he was likely to see deer but unlikely to actually like kill one so mm-hmm. that was my plan <laughs> was like i'm gonna set you up in a in a spot where you can see them but it's yeah. probably unlikely that you're gonna actually gonna kill them because i want you to be able to see them and know that they exist mm-hmm. uh long story short he ends up shooting a deer uh doesn't uh doesn't find it doesn't find any blood Um, I looked with him too. I was like, where was it? He's like, I don't know, over here somewhere, you know, he's, he's totally, totally black, you know, blacked out, just shot. Didn't, we didn't find anything, uh, came back. He came back, uh, the next 
two days later and found a dead doe that he had shot. So he found it um, two days later. He did the right thing. He drug it all out. He gutted it, drug it out. And he said, man, it just, it was hot. He's like, it just smelled so bad. He's like, I, I just couldn't keep it. Like it, it yeah. was not, it was not something I wanted to give myself or my family. So he did that. And I, and I appreciated that. I said, Hey man, at least yeah. you did the right thing. And, uh, and then I got a text from him next year and it said, Hey man, are we going to go to our spot again? And I was yeah, like, now it's our spot. I was like, yeah, I was like yeah. our spot. What the fuck yeah. are you talking about, man? <laughs> that's, that's the thing. That's, it's like, I get it. It's like, especially if you have like out here, a lot of it's private land. So I, I had one guy that I, he wanted to come up and hunt. I was like, I'm not going to take him to my private land. Cause then it's just going to get ratted out. He's going to end up showing up without me probably just, I always think worst case scenario yeah. because I'm, I'm an asshole like that. But um, I took him to some public land nearby. It's like where we could probably see an animal. The likelihood of getting it because we were shooting with our bows is slim to none. It's mostly people that are shooting long distance with rifles. But then he got mad because one of my buddies I grew up with, I took to the private land that actually knew he knows the landowner. And, uh, got him a turkey and the guy got mad he's like why'd you take him and he didn't take me i was like dude i've known this guy since he was a kid i don't i've met you once when we met in the middle of nowhere to go hunting and i don't know you from <laughs> a hole in the wall so there's a lot of people it's like you gotta play you gotta play or keep your cards close to your chest you know it's just, and and i'm sure after that interaction you were like you're like fuck good i i made a good choice in not taking yeah him exactly oh, yeah that's the thing it's like there's a couple other people that keep on hitting me up wanting ghosts like look i only take two people to that place and i know for a fact that they respect me enough that they'll never go to that place without me even if even though they know the landowner they won't do it and same they got a couple places that they can hunt and i've never asked them to if they say hey you want to come with me sure i'll go with you but I'm not gonna be like, oh, you're going over there. So, uh, what about me? Kind of right. mind so, if I uh, sneak in on that? Yeah, it's like, you know what? It's I like you're saying. It's like you spend all this time and energy, uh, like establishing relationships with people, mm -hmm. and then you just go on, and they can get fucked just so yeah. quick, just by someone showing up, or even someone that I don't know, like sees. So there's some of the public or the private land that it's like around some houses. So if they see me leaving and they don't like it, they can bitch at the landowner. Not that they have a say in it or not, but then that starts a whole thing and they see more oh, people yeah. coming. It's just, just avoiding that conflict mm -hmm. is just something that I try not to uh, partake in as much as I can. So yeah, like, I'll I just think, give them. I, th I think that. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I, th I think like, I've never taken anybody to any of the public or private. I've never taken anybody to the private that I have uh, permission to hunt. Um, and I've taken a few people to my piece of private, but obviously I can control that pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the public land stuff over the last like six, seven years, um, I probably have like 
I don't know, 60 or 70 waypoints for tree stands that I would hang and hunt. Um, and uh, there's a lot of bad ones in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I will take people out to like general areas and I will give people general waypoints. I'll literally, if somebody asks me for a spot, I will drop, I will go drop a waypoint on on X just in a general area and then send it to them and be like, Hey, yeah. this is a good piece of public. So then they can pop it up on on X and they can see it. And then if they ask me, you know, specifically like, Oh, Hey, where like, is this the exact spot or should I be in this area? I'll say, it really depends on the time of year. You need to go in there, take a look around, hang a set, see what you see and go from there. Um, yeah. And that's exactly what I do. And that's what you should do too. I can't transfer the knowledge directly out of my brain to your brain. So you got to go try it out. Yeah. A lot of people are looking for that easy, easy handout thing. It's yeah. uh, And actually I have a perfect, perfect example. Um, over the weekend we went fishing. We took all the, the whole family went out, uh, rock fishing out yeah. of Monterey. And I saw uh, that story. That looked fun, man. Your it was five-year-old caught his first fish. Yeah. He caught it. Well, he's caught in a couple little like trout and stuff, but it was a rock fish in the ocean. So it was this monumental occasion. And I'm pretty sure he had a minor meltdown. He was so excited, but, <laughs> uh, he ended up, we were doing like a double rig where the double fly jigs on it. And he ended up catching a couple doubles off of that too. It was, it was great. We were on fish all day. It was fantastic. Um, but I have two younger sisters and the, my middle sister, her fiance or boyfriend, I don't even know what they are. Um, <laughs> it's it's an up and down roller coaster with them but uh yeah my my family and life is a little bit of a soap opera so we won't go into that but he hits me up because he wanted he never did any hunting prior to meeting my sister or family so we've taken him to the family property and it is extremely hit or miss some years you'll see decent bucks and some years there's literally nothing and so he's gone the last two years and these are the slow years where you'll see them but they're mostly like nocturnal you'll see them on the trail camera sure. the nocturnal and so he hit me up and he's like hey i want you to take me hunting but i don't want to do any of that like long hiking backcountry stuff i want like go to a spot maybe do like a mile or two hike and i want to get something it's like um here's this here's this outfitter in texas you can call yeah (laughs) (laughs) have you ever sat on corn Um, (laughs) right no but uh, i looked at him and was like dude literally there's been times where i've hiked more miles than you've walked in like a month and not seen anything in a weekend and it's just it's it comes with the territory it's like I've sat that same spot that he sat plenty of more times than he will ever be able to and not seen a thing. It's just how it goes. I think he just wants to get that first animal under his belt and it's understandable, but getting that handout, like if, if you just went out as a hunter 
or just getting into hunting and you immediately got an animal right out the gate you're like oh this is this is easy you have this false sense of uh i don't even know the word for it but you just like oh this is easy yeah accomplishment it's like you gotta work for it you gotta gotta go through the highs and lows there's there's people in life that are okay with that um Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just not me I'll be honest. Yeah. Like, it's just, Same here. it's not me because if I, if I were to go out and, uh, and a buddy were to, were to say to me, Hey man, like I got a spot, go sit in this tree. I know you've never been there, but I I've done all this research. I've done all this work and I know you're going to kill a big buck this year. If you sit in this spot for this weekend go and do it, I I probably would do it, but if I kill, mm-hmm. if I ended up killing that, killing a great deer in that spot, it'd be like, that's almost his buck. It's right. Like it would be a little bit of a letdown. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you know, your buddy would Lord that over you forever. Like he'd be 100%. like, Oh, that's the, you, he'd see it on the wall and he'd be like, Oh, that's the buck. I got you. And yeah. Well, I, I let you shoot that one. Right. Exactly. Oh, dude, you know, you know, your buddy and if he doesn't say it. He would say it in his head every time he saw you. <laughs> is he your buddy? If he doesn't say it is the question. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, uh, but it, it, it provides a, a sense of it's, it's that false sense of accomplishment and everybody in their heart of heart knows it. They know they did not, uh, put the effort in for that to earn that reward of that buck. yeah it's, you know it's like anything it's like you got to bust your ass to get a paycheck right it's like right you just you're not gonna value the money and then if you shoot this animal it's like you and i we go out bust our tails try to get this animal and then we get the animal then we process the animal and then we feed it to our family and we see how much they like it we give it to people who have never had wild game before mm-hmm. and see how much they like it it's just that simple sense of accomplishment it's amazing but if yeah. you're just going out and it's like all right my buddy told me where to go he tied this deer to a tree over here and i shot it it's like <laughs> i i can't and I could get see on that. that i i could i really could see that for a very first time hunter like that sense of accomplishment like they go out their first year yeah and they're with somebody and they're like dude we sat in this tree you know for four hours and we finally got one or we sat in this tree for three weekends and we finally got one or whatever um and then they're excited about it like that's awesome perfect phenomenal if you have somebody who's been trying it for two, three, four years, and they're like, all right, I give up. Just tell me what to do. And I'll, yeah. I'll do this thing. Like that is not going to provide a sense of accomplishment at all. No, that, that new something new is where the excitement comes from. So like that yeah. new hunter going out and doing that. But if, yeah, like you're saying, you got some seasons under your belt and you just want a handout. So when you just tell me to go kick rocks, you're, you're not, <laughs> I'll shoot a deer, I'll lord it over you. You're not right. going to have it. Exactly. So. Uh, all right. Well, we've got an hour and a half under our belt or so, something in that range. I don't know. I don't have a time. All right. Stuff. But, um, but anyway, I, it's been a great conversation, Austin. Where can, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on, it's, I do like 99.9% of the stuff on Instagram, Cali Bow Hunter. 
Um, I post some gear reviews and stuff on YouTube. Same thing, Cali Bowhunter. Um, I just have a personal Facebook, just Austin Caldwell. If you want to follow me there, I kind of just copy everything from Cali Bowhunter on there. But <laughs> uh, other than that, that's really it. Um, nothing too fancy, pretty simple. A lot of hunting photos and gear reviews and tech tips and stuff like that. And You shoot. That's the last thing I want to talk to you about was you shoot Annihilator Broadheads. Yes, I do. I'm one of their team shooters. Yes. So those for anybody for anybody listening, um, sorry, we're gonna extend this podcast because I really wanted to talk to him about this. So those things greatly intrigue me. And you and I have almost the exact same setup. Um, shooting uh Matthews, you shoot still shooting a VXR 30 inches. Yep, Yep, with a 530 grain arrow. Uh, I actually dropped the weight on that now. I'm at a 500. I think it's it's either 503 or 508. Okay, but you're uh, shooting and you're shooting an annihilator, and I'm shooting an iron will. Uh, yeah. So we have almost the exact same specs, but the annihilators really intrigue me. Yeah, dude, you should try a set. They are. I have so I haven't shot the iron will. There's right. a lot of good stuff that i've heard about them the only thing that i like so i've been intrigued about the two blades but i've always been leery of deflection with two blades how like if it hits a bone if it will deflect as opposed to having the extra blades around it how it's kind of going to help steer through stuff um what intrigues me what intrigues me a lot about the annihilators is uh for anybody listening we're talking about annihilator broadheads and that is you know your typical broadhead like the iron will um is a two blade uh and it's just kind of it's wider right it's wider but the annihilator the way it's built it says like the marketing material for it says it pretty much punches a hole the size of that head through the animal which rather than rather than a cut, you know, a, a slit or a cut going through that animal, you punch in almost like a hole and it's in, it's in the design of it. Um, but they are very small, uh, which yeah, also intrigues me because of tuning. Like it makes it probably yeah. makes tuning a little bit easier. Tuning is absolutely fantastic with these. I they're so. The 100 grain original, it's 0.910 cutting diameter on paper, which is yeah. like just shy of 15 sixteenths or something like that. It's right around there. Um, however, the way it's designed, in between each one of the blades, there's a scoop. Um, and the scoop, when it hits an animal, it pushes the flesh out and leaves that hole as opposed to like if you were to stab something with a knife, it's just a slit. This actually right. almost cores it out, um, but yeah, I can shoot these out. Hole. Yeah, yeah, and the great thing about it creating that hole is it's going to create more of a um, a pressure change in that body cavity, and it's harder to plug up a hole than is just a slit in the hide. With a slit or in any sort of broadhead, three blade, two blade, four blade, if it's just the slits, 
there's more of a chance of that hide sliding over that fat or anything like if muscle, if it's sitting in a certain way. With the hole, you still possibly get that chance with the hide sliding over it, but it's a lot less likely. Um, but the, the main point that I really like about these is the fact that when it hits, it sounds like a fucking freight train hit it. It's just whack. And when that hole gets in there, even if, so this, the second year I shot last year, it was a quarter towards, I shot a little back and got a liver shot. And the deer, typically on a deer, it's going to run quite a ways with liver and you can jump them and they, you can get them, just lose them from that. Yeah. But this one went, I think it was 30 to 35 yards and bedded down and was going to die. But I took it, I was able to get on them again. Okay. Um, just, just because the pressure change that happens from the head, it just totally messes up everything when it goes inside that mm. uh, body cavity. And the, I mean, I think you're shooting a 125 grain. Yeah. Yeah. So the cool thing is, is uh, with the 125 grains, um, Annihilator just came out with the XLs. So if anybody wanted the larger cutting diameter, it's an inch and a 16th cut as opposed to the 0.910 cut. Um, the new XL with a 125, they were tested under lab radar and the drag coefficient between the XL and the standard are identical. So if you're shooting a 125 standard head with a short or the smaller cutting diameter and you wanted to jump up to the 125 XL, your point of impact will not change at all between the two cutting diameters. Even so, with the different yeah. weights? So no, between the 125 to 125. So with the larger oh, cutting okay. diameter, gotcha, gotcha. <clears throat> the design, has been tested so that it has the same exact drag coefficient. Gotcha. So unfortunately, the 100 grain only comes in the standard head. And then the 125 comes in the standard and the XL. And then gotcha. after that is the XL 125 or the 150 grain. Okay. So, and the difference between the standard 100 grain and the 125 is the only difference is there's a post added to the back of the head. So it's the same head, essentially, you're just adding weight to the back of the broad head. Sure. So it doesn't change any of the structural rigidity or anything like that. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, I need to start shooting a lot more deer, just in general, <laughs> Shoot, yeah. shooting a lot more animals. But uh yeah, that'll be, that'll certainly, I don't know if I'm going to buy the Annihilators this year, but it's very likely that I would purchase them next year. Uh, they are worth it, man. Literally, like how you and I are shooting a longer draw length, heavier poundage, relatively heavy arrows. We don't really have to worry about shoulders on animals. If we creep up a little bit, it's with a fixed blade broadhead it's going through that thing a vast majority of the time unless you're shooting elk and you center punch that ridge on the shoulder right, right in the, the knuckle or something um but just the the nice thing is, is with these heads the cool thing so these ones you could sharpen in the back country on a flat stone or a leatherman you don't have to worry about that they i shot a pig at the last pig i shot shot it was facing towards me right behind its head. It entered and came out its back leg at 71 yards. So 
and it was about a 300 ish pound pig it was a pretty decent size yeah. pig so they it's a it's a really really good head so does that have better penetration than a rage oh yeah <laughs> get out of here get out of here my buddy lost his deer last year because of a rage and i keep uh, on telling him that he needs to make a switch and he's like oh no 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 <laughs> all right that's uh, just it's like i yeah if you're gonna shoot a fixed blade there's a lot of them that are out there that are really good um and i made that switch two years ago back to fixed blade and i'm pleasantly surprised with the outcome of these things and they haven't let me down so yeah who like them a lot and the guys that own the company are fantastic people they're hunters uh, micah was a cop for a while brandon was in it for a while and they met on an elk hunting trip talking about broadheads and what they think they can do to make something better and then it just snowballed from there so it came from people that like hunting that wanted to get that next advancement on something that's been around for literally ever same design of everything so yeah growing on that and it's just i like supporting good people and a good product and it's something that i stand by behind for sure, for sure. yeah yeah oh i agree um yeah i got them i in my mind you know you have uh like in terms of high-end, high-quality broadheads, like you have Valkyries, you have Iron Wills, you have Annihilators, and then you have, uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of any others, but there's a lot. Like the three. What? The, so like the Annihilators would be on the higher end of like a blue-collared broadhead like they're not super expensive what are they like 15 bucks a head they're 54.99 for three so i don't know the math there but like 18 bucks a head yeah and the nice thing is is i just did a the shoot for team whiskey up in high sierra at lake tahoe and i was demonstrating for a guy who's like oh but how durable are they and like obviously it's just they do the trunk lid and the car hood and everything. Yeah. They're showing how to do it. It's like, okay, but a lot of people, it's like, okay, I've seen that. What do you want to do next? And I shot the broadhead into the mountainside right behind our booth and then took it out, took it off my air and put on a fresh arrow, spun it, span, spun perfectly. I was like, all right. And there's a clump of concrete right there. And it was about six feet away. Center punched the concrete, took it off, spun it again is perfect and you literally just take it on a flat stone sharpen it back up and obviously there's gonna be a few little nicks and dings in the thing but it was sharp enough to go hunting with without i wouldn't have hesitated to shoot that at an animal so they're they're solid they're great great heads yeah all right well sweet that's good to know i wanted to talk to you about that i apologize for for the listeners for for not catching on that sooner but uh austin chandler or austin caldwell austin chandler close enough i'm i'll be whatever you want me to be (laughs) (laughs) no 
Sorry, Chandler. God, I know a guy named Austin Chandler. Sorry. He's uh he's a big buck hunter in Illinois and he's coming on the podcast in a, in a few weeks. So my, oh, <laughs> my apologies. He has yeah. a good name though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um Austin Caldwell, Kelly underscore bow hunter. Find him on Instagram. Uh check him out. Ask him questions. Um, if you're interested in the annihilators or or even going out to Cali, just don't ask him where his spots are. He's gonna yeah, don't. Nothing. <laughs> I'll I'll send you to like downtown San Francisco or something. Right. Perfect. That's a good this is the brew pub I go to. I'm done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so all right. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Austin. Um if you like the podcast, if you guys enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review. Really appreciate it. It helps a lot of people find me. And then uh, and then also um, if you checked us out on YouTube, please subscribe. Uh, really appreciate it. All right. Catch you guys later.